Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. This episode was inspired by the upcoming movie Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which is, I believe, a pun? Not a pun. It's a reference to Birdman and that other long title of the parentheses. Oh, is it? I, didn't <laughs> I know think this. so. Birds okay. of Prey, Birdman. I mean, that makes sense. Right. And we haven't seen the movie. It could be terrible for all we know. It's not a sponsored episode, but we thought it'd be cool to look into the comics of some of these characters. Um, And plus, it's been on my mind ever since we did First Wives Club and we were singing You Don't Own Me all the time. As I said in that episode, I thought that was from Suicide Squad, foolishly. Foolishly. Very foolishly. (laughs) It also does seem to have a lot of elements that we discussed in our whole Women in Revenge episodes. Right. Also, the previews have come out, the second long one, right? Yeah. It's pretty intense. Looks fantastic. Yeah. Samantha and I... Saw it this weekend, saw a trailer for it this weekend, and there were a lot of lines where we were like, yep, women in revenge, women in revenge. (laughs) Do you have any experience with DC? So I watched a few way back in the day, a.k.a. Michael Keaton and all the Batman series on that level, Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of episodes of the old TV show. I do remember watching that with my great-grandmother's house or some weird thing. And I do enjoy the CW series Flash and watch a bit of the Arrow. I think it's fun and catchy and easygoing. Like, there's a little bit of sadness in it, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. But Mm -hmm. it's, like, just enough that I can keep going and not really worry about it. It's just kind of a cute show. Okay. I've I've been meaning to check it out. I have friends who are really big fans of both of those shows, um, but I have never seen them. I have seen a handful of the new movies. And when I was growing up, I did watch the Batman cartoon and Young Batman on the WB. It was then the WB. Okay, yeah. I've gotten them too confused, really. I was like, yeah. It was WB, UPN. Right. Something else. CW. Very young channel. (laughs) It was. It was my favorite. And speaking of Smallville, I did watch Smallville. Harley Quinn, um, the character... I mean, as long as I can remember, always put me on edge. She oh, was really? just so unpredictable. Right. And um, she's actually not really a member of the Birds of Prey, which halfway explains, I guess, that long title, the Birds of Prey and right. Harley Quinn. She is usually their antagonist, in fact. And as I've said, I, I have seen the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and I used to cosplay Catwoman from those movies with two of my friends going as Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Right. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen all of Suicide Squad. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I hear my general impression is it wasn't very good, but that the best part of it was Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And the amount of people dressed as her at Comic-Con that year certainly suggested that was true. Her costume was it anyway, which we're going to talk about that more in a minute. She is a fascinating, if not extremely problematic at times, character. Um, Other than Margot Robbie, it stars Mary Elizabeth Winsett as Huntress, Rosie Perez as Detective Renee Montoya, Journey Smollett-Bell as Black Canary, and Jay Bosco as Cassandra Cain. 
slash maybe Batgirl. I don't know. Haven't seen it again. Juan McGregor plays the main antagonist, Black Mask. Right. And for this new movie, Margot Robbie was pretty involved. She was pitching an R-rated girl game film and the first R-rated movie in the DC Extended Universe. So that's a big note. Uh, the script was written by Christina Hodson and directed by Kathy Yan, the first Asian woman to direct a superhero movie. Woot, woot. <laughs> and it's the first girl game superhero movie. Yes. Juan McGregor called it a feminist film that takes a, quote, real look at misogyny. Misogynists in movies are often extreme. They rape, they beat women, and it is legitimate to represent people like that because they exist and they are obviously the worst. But in Birds of Prey dialogue, there is always a hint of everyday misogyny, of those things you say as a man you do not even realize, mansplaining. And it's in the script in a very subtle way. I found that brilliant. So in response to that, the internet's already kind of freaking out. Freaking out. Yeah. Samantha and I ran into preemptive, oh. That was hilarious. Yeah. Definitely one guy just automatically put it out there that there's going to be no interest in this movie because we only care, and I say we as in the audience, only care about superhero movies and comics due to the sexiness of the women. Yeah. Essentially, and these women were not sexy, which in what world yeah. is Margot Robbie and Journey Smollett, like a how are they not sexy? Like, any of these women right. are beyond sexy. Maybe they're not naked enough? I don't know. Yeah. Even their costumes, though, seemingly are pretty skin tight. Yeah. So, again, huh? Huh? Yeah, is right. A lot of people, angry, angry men, internet men, right. <laughs> are freaking out about already saying, we don't want social commentary in our movies. We don't want feminism in our superhero movies. Right. We only care when the Joker has social commentary about how women are awful. Right. Yeah. And that white men are being ignored all of a sudden. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's a social commentary they could get behind. Right. Right. And um, win Oscars for. I know. I know. So I guess in some ways this is doubly. I'm sorry. Nominated for. Yes. We don't know as of yet. recording this. Yes. Um. Okay, so people are freaking out about it. You know what's going to be hilarious slash sad? If it really isn't feminist at all, if there isn't, like, social once again, commentary. Once again, that's kind of how I felt about <laughs> Mad Max, the remake. Because, yes, Charlize Theron was a very strong character and all, but I'm like, in the end, she still had to have the main dude, Mad Max, help her. So it's kind of like, it's not like an all-ending, we just got rid of all the men all together. Right. So it's kind of like, wait... Confused. Why are you so upset? That's generally my question, but <laughs> maybe one day we'll have the answer. I think, I think that's a, yeah. Why are you so mad about this? Calm down, guys. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> so let's let's get in to to the birds of prey and kind of what they're all about. They are a team of mostly female um Mostly female crime fighters and superheroes, an occasional man shows up and joins their ranks. The team isn't always the same. People come and go. There's Black Canary, Batgirl, Oracle, Huntress, Katana, Poison Ivy, Lady Blackhawk, and Catwoman, to name a few. There's a lot. As the name suggests, the team is composed of women who are excellent hunters and good at trapping and catching prey. While they did face off against plenty of supervillains, they typically tackled more real-world crime like terrorism, human trafficking, and human rights abuses. I was reading some of these for this. They get dark. Ooh, they yeah. get dark. It is one of the few mainstream comic books that has a focus on female friendships. Right. As far as comics go, Birds of Prey is fairly recent, debuting in 1996. Birds of Prey, Black Canary slash Oracle. 
though they didn't get their own book till 1999. The storyline was the brainchild of Jordan B. Gorfinkel and originally featured a partnership between Dinah Lance slash Black Canary and Barbara Gordon slash Oracle slash formerly Batgirl, and they're the two mainstays. Gordon had been shot by the Joker and was paralyzed from the waist down, so she pivoted it to using technology to fight crime with the help of Black Canary. And while supportive of each other, the pair frequently clashed idealistic Black Canary and realistic Oracle. However, the friendship remained at the heart of the series throughout, no matter who else joined their ranks. It was originally written by Chuck Dixon, but beginning at issue number 56, Gail Simone took over and she continued to control it until issue 108, which was published in 2009. In 2011, the new 52 rebooted the series. This was kind of like a big reboot of a bunch of their properties. Um, It rebooted the series, and from 2016 to 2018, Shauna and Julie Benson took over the run of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, featuring primarily Batgirl slash Barbara Gordon, Black Canary, and Huntress. They didn't start calling themselves Birds of Prey until six years after the story's conception when Lady Blackhawk said in issue number 86, We need a name! The Asian sing, it's got no zing. So what about being the Birds of Prey? Canarian, Blackhawk, that's easy, and the name Huntress fits. Yeah, there you go. There you go. When interviewed about Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Shauna Benson said, We like women who are sexy without being sexualized because that's most women. And Julie Benson said, Yeah, and I think the other thing we really didn't want to do was have a bunch of catty girl fights. That was the one note, and our editors agree. The one thing we don't want to do is have a bunch of bitchy fights. They're going to have disagreements. They're going to respect each other, though. They just might go about things in a different way. And... There was a 2002, I think it was the WB at that time, but maybe not, TV show pulling from the comics called Birds of Prey. I watched it, but it was canceled (laughs) after 13 episodes. The thing I remember most clearly about it is one episode had that tattoo song in it that everyone was really into at the time. It followed Black Canary... And she was the daughter of the original Black Canary in this, Huntress and Oracle. Harley Quinn was being set up to be the antagonist of the series, but it was canceled before anything was ever made of that storyline. And uh, Lori Laughlin was in it. Oh. Yeah. Forgot about that. Old days for her, huh? Old days for her. <laughs> right, But speaking of Harley Quinn, we did want to talk about her character a bit more. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Thank you, sponsor. Harleen Quinzel, a.k.a. Harley Quinn, voiced by Arlene Sorkin in Batman the Animated Series, and that was the the character's first appearance in 1992, so she's fairly new. Mm -hmm. Within two years, though, the fan response was such that the creators were asked to make a single-issue comic centering on her. She was such a popular character. She was added to the comics. She appeared in video games. She appeared in other TV shows, and now in the movies. To this day, she is a best-selling character, so much so that DC Entertainment called February 2015 Harley Quinn Month. She was introduced primarily as a sidekick to the Joker and in full clown attire. She's unpredictable and sexual, especially in her post-Jester outfit, which was kind of a corset thing. Um, she she loves performance, and the line between the real Harley and the performance is a blurry one. 
In some versions, she's Jewish, and in some versions, she's queer. Right. When it comes to the creation of Harlequin, Paul Denny typically gets the credit. But many point to the woman who first voiced her, Arlene Sorkin. She previously starred on Days of Our Lives, where she served as the comic relief. I guess that's interesting in a soap opera. Yeah, it is. She always was pitching ideas, and one day she pitched a dreamlike, fairytale-esque sequence. The producer's for it. She played a jester in Rollerblades. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I like that. Denny and her were friends, and she gave him a VHS of her favorite performance, her in the jester outfit telling jokes to royalty while on roller skates. It remained unwatched for years, until one day, under the weather, Denny, who was struggling with coming up a female villain for Batman, watched the tape, and there you go, Harley Quinn. Yeah, you should. You can still find clips of it online, and you can see it. You're like, okay. I can already imagine it, and I feel like my imagination is better than what I could see, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it, it is. Oh, no. Well, it's just so interesting. I don't watch soap operas. I don't have a lot of familiarity with soap right. operas, but it is funny. Like, so that would be oh, here's the, a jester yeah. on rollerblades telling jokes <laughs> to royalty. What? <laughs> oh, days of our lives. Yep. <laughs> Maybe a future episode. In this current version of Harley Quinn, she started out as a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum, which is where all the really bad guys go in Gotham City. She graduated at the top of her class, and in some interpretations, she she resented the uptight persona that that she created or, or that she shaped, that she felt like she had to behave in a certain way, that there were all these expectations placed on her. And that all changed when she met the Joker, and that's been one of the defining traits of her character. She has long been defined by the Joker and her often abusive, definitely toxic relationship with him. Several episodes showcase the cycle of abuse. I even found an entire article like pointing to this is this stage. This is the stage from one episode of what the newer Batman, um, and she's pretty obsessed with him and he uses and abuses her does not love her her shirt and suicide squad read daddy's little monster as if she was his possession robbie has been very open about how she wasn't a fan of harley quinn's outfit and suicide squad particularly the as she called them gratuitous hot pants and her vision in this movie uh harley quinn's vision of her deepest desire was that a normal her with a normal Joker had normal kids and a normal house. And a lot of fans saw that as a major disservice to her character. It's fair to say she is largely, essentially, the female version of the Joker right down to the broken psyche. Some speculate that Harley Quinn was Harleen Quinzel trying to find her identity after defining herself by what she thought society expected of her for so long, only to fall in the trap of defining herself through an unstable man. Whatever the case, Harley Quinn is someone looking out for her own self-interest, which frequently means partnering with villains and heroes. In more recent iterations, she has moved away from the Joker and worked with more women like Poison Ivy, whom some have interpreted to be in a sexual relationship, that they're in a sexual relationship together, and even Batgirl and 2018's Heroes in Crisis comic series. And that's actually something a lot of really big Harley Quinn fans point out, is that she does have capacity for loyalty and compassion where the Joker does not. That's one thing that separates her from him. 
And yes, while she has never been a member of the Birds of Prey, she has made appearances in their stories, notably in The Man Slaughter, which was an arc from the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey run by Shauna and Julia Benson. In Manslaughter, several of the men of the DC universe are inflicted with a mysterious deadly virus. In order to find a cure, the Birds of Prey worked with some villainous anti-heroine, I guess, characters like Poison Ivy, Catwoman, and Harley Quinn. The virus was the product of a cult seeking to, quote, end the tyranny of men. Men only understand one language, violence. With the men of Gotham incapacitated, women are free to walk the streets without fear judgment, sexual harassment, robbery, or other violence against them. Imagine if it was like this every day. And then I wanted to read this. I like this uh, little panel I found from this comic. So it's a detective talking to, I believe, Batgirl and Black Canary. Thanks for taking the less conspicuous entrance. Shouldn't be a problem getting you to the interrogation to talk to the suspect. How are you holding up? Batgirl asks. Well, nearly 75% of my force is out sick, but on the bright side, crime is down 90%. Newsflash, women are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Not wrong. <laughs> Not wrong. So one of the characters go on to say, Miss Andrew ain't feminism. Equality for all. Yeah. Yeah, and saving men certainly isn't a bad thing, but a lot of the plots for women in this universe do revolve around the men in their lives like the Joker, perhaps. One infamous example <laughs> comes from an episode of Batman, The Brave and the Bold, titled The Mask of Matches Malone, when the birds of prey, then uh, composed of Catwoman, Black Canary, and Huntress, had to sing a song, of course, uh, at this bar for villains. So they sang Birds of Prey, but it was much more about the superhero men in their lives than, than it was about themselves. And they sang it specifically to reach out to Batman, who was suffering from amnesia, because also, of course, the song had so much innuendo in it. It aired first in Australia, but then word got out about it. It had to be edited before it aired in the United States. Oh, Do you know this song? Oh, yeah. I kind of want you to sing a little bit of it. Maybe after the uh, mics are yeah. off. Okay. The Birds of Prey had formed many coalitions with bad girls and anti-heroes. And this is a fairly common theme throughout the DCEU, especially among the female villains. They go from antagonist to protagonist back to antagonist. For instance, Poison Ivy joined at one point, but turns out she was just using them to take out targets she didn't like. This could relate back to that quote we read in Batman Returns episode from the creator of Catwoman about how women can't be trusted, quote-unquote, cool, detached, and unreliable. There's a love-resentment thing with women. Once the romance is over, somehow they never remain my friends. Several of the times Harley Quinn saved the day, it was to spite the Joker. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times he'd be like, goodbye, Gotham, I'm going to blow it up. And he doesn't care that Harley Quinn is there. So I know in one example, she like throws something up into his helicopter as he's getting away so, right. <laughs> so that he can't get away either. No. At the tail end of November 2019, the streaming service DC Universe debuted Harley Quinn, an R-rated comedy? Kaylee Cuoco provides the voice of Harley, and Alan Tudyk as a Joker. I love Alan Tudyk. Also, Mark Hamill has a long history of playing the Joker, and he mm -hmm. was my first crush, so that makes me happy. Um, in this show, after realizing her relationship with the Joker is an abusive one, with the help of her friend Poison Ivy, she leaves with the help of her friend Poison Ivy, who by all accounts seems to be the best part of this show. However, Harley still remains obsessed with the Joker and only seeks out male accomplices to be in her sort of team. 
Ivy even talks in the show about a glass ceiling for female villains. Mm. Even, even female Very villains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're curious, Harlequin, the word, can mean several things. But here, most significantly, clown or buffoon, a stock comic character originating in the Commedia dell'arte, the foppish lover of a combine and the English Harlequinade. He is usually represented in a diamond pattern, multicolored tights, wearing a black mask, or another definition, malevolent spirit. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. According to Hollywood Rumor, a movie called Gotham City Sirens is in the works, and that would feature Margot Robbie's Harlequin working with Selena Kyle, Catwoman, and Pamela Eileen as Poison Ivy. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. But, okay, she's not in the Birds of Prey. <laughs> so, again, let's talk about actual members of this group, starting with Dinah Laurel Lance, a.k.a. Black Canary. Along with Barbara Gordon, slash Oracle, slash formerly Batgirl, she makes up the heart of the team, a founding member who is one of the mainstays. She also was a founding member of the Justice League. The character actually debuted way earlier in 1947, although this was the mother of the current Black Canary um, as a secondary super sexualized villain slash love interest. That's how she made her original debut. But she was immediately well-received. Both an idealist and tough as nails, Black Canary is great at hand-to-hand combat, an excellent leader, and she has an ability called Canary Cry, which can shatter glass and wreck your eardrums, incapacitate pretty much anybody. And I did think that was kind of funny given the whole shrill thing women get labeled with all the time. But look, she turned it into a weapon. She, she weaponized... Did. The, the tools of her oppression. Right. <laughs> While she is one of the rare female characters created without a male analog in the DC universe, she is not too infrequently played as supporting character to her boyfriend, the Green Arrow. Right. Gail Simone, the writer we mentioned earlier that did a bulk of these, Bird of Prey, uh, she had a big hand in it, has publicly stated that in her characterization, Black Canary was bisexual. This character recently featured in the CW's Arrow, played by Katie Cassidy. Right. Also in the CW version is Sarah Lawrence, played by Katie Lotz, which is not featured in the comics. She is uh, the predecessor for the Black Canary as just the Canary and is one of the first bisexual characters in the most recent TV versions. Oh, Mm -hmm. huh. Best-selling author Meg Cavett recently took a stab at the character writing a new origin story for Black Canary aimed at young girls called Black Canary Ignite, which is really exciting because young girls, I think, aren't too often, unfortunately, the target audience for comics. So it's cool that we're moving that way. The other person at the core of the Birds of Prey is Barbara Gordon slash Oracle slash formerly Batgirl, (laughs) first appearing in 1967 as a female component to Batman, who at first, by the way, insists she gives up crime fighting because (gasps) she's a woman. Uh, She is a genius. She has a doctorate in library science. She's great with technology. She can speak a ton of languages. Business Week included her as the only woman on their top 10 most intelligent fictional superheroes list in 2006. Conceived during the Silver Age of comics and during the women's liberation movement, she was meant to represent smart, career-oriented women. In The Killing Joke, 
which was an issue, a comic. Uh, the, the Joker shoots her, who uh, she was Batgirl at the time, in the spine, and then she he takes pictures of her because he's a sadist as she rides in pain. As a result, she is paralyzed from the waist down and uses a wheelchair. She also suffers from PTSD. But that whole storyline is more about how Batman and her father feel about the whole thing. Like, the reason the Joker did it was to drive her dad insane and prove to Batman that even the best men can can lose their minds. Um, and the writer later called it shallow and ill-conceived. This actually inspired future DC and Barbara Gordon writer um, Gail Simone to make the Women in Refrigerators website, which documents the numerous cases of violence against women um, in comics, particularly sexualized violence, to showcase, like, only done to to show how it impacts the men, how it hurts the men. After being shot, Barbara Gordon takes on the new secret identity, Oracle. In more recent storylines, she is, quote, cured and becomes Batgirl again, sparking conversations around ableism and that whole overcoming disability conversation Bridget and I had in a past episode which there are so many essays out there about this particular character, um, ableism, and um, also uh, being a librarian, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Even though she was the main character, she only appeared on one-third of the covers, and she was frequently drawn in a frumpy manner until later in later runs, which is problematic as well. She was portrayed by Yvonne Craig in the 1960s Batman TV show, and the actress appeared as Batgirl, in a 1970s PSA advocating for equal pay for women. All right, then, Batgirl. Yeah, that's right. And then there's Huntress, a.k.a. Helena Bertinelli. Like most of the characters we're talking about, she's had a lot, a lot, a lot of storylines. We should have said that at the top. Like, they've been rebooted so many times. Right. <laughs> it's hard to say which particular storyline. But anyway, uh, she one of her storylines, um, the Huntresses, and one of them, she was the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Hmm. But the one they're going with in the new film is it, her past in the mafia and her loss of her family in a mob hit, a storyline introduced in 1989. She's a fairly violent character with a particular affinity for crossbows. Because of this, Batman generally did not approve of her methods, right. and she devoted a lot of time to earning his approval. That didn't stop her from spending some time with the Justice League and after that, the Birds of Prey. And while she's not an original member of the Birds of Prey team, she did become integral and one of the most well-known characters for sure. Her story arcs generally involved her obsession with vengeance and letting go of her family's violent past to become Huntress. She was reintroduced as an Italian-African-American woman in the New 52. And this character was a villain during the first two seasons of Arrow, played by Jessica DeGal. And then there is Cassandra Kane, a.k.a. Batgirl, or Orphan. In the comic book world, she is the daughter of two assassins, Lady Shiva and David Kane, and the pair raised their daughter to be an assassin, too. In some versions of the comic, she was raised not to speak, but to instead use those parts of her brain to read body language, and general movements. She went on to become an assassin in service of Barbara Gordon slash Oracle, not an official member of the Birds of Prey. Multiple characters have taken on the Batgirl mantle. Cassandra Kane is one of the most well-known behind Barbara Gordon. Right. Then there's Lady Blackhawk, a pilot who was a member of the World War II Blackhawks and pulled from the 1950s 
into These Are Modern Times. She did not become a regular in the Birds of Prey comics, though, until 2004. You know, doing the research for this, <laughs> it's oftentimes I'll write something and then I'll think, this is too weird. Right. This is too weird. But then I was reading this, like, maybe it's not too weird. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, another character we need to talk about is Renee Montoya. She is a um, detective in the Gotham City Police Department's major crimes unit. She eventually left the police when she couldn't handle the rampant corruption anymore. Originally created for Batman, the animated series in 1992, she's now one of the most prominent gay characters in the comics. Her superhero, guys, was The Question, although she didn't accept her membership offer into the Birds of Prey. Nah. She didn't do she it. She said, nah, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are so many other characters we could talk about. Um, Misfit, who, oh, Misfit. Is she, her saying is dark vengeance. Yes. <laughs> um, Black Alice, Big Barda, Hawkgirl, Katana, who you were telling me has also been yeah, in Arrow. Hawkgirl was there as well. She was introduced in Arrow. Uh-huh. And I think Legends of Tomorrow has oh, all of these yeah. people in there as well. Oh, yeah. I, I've not watched Legends of Tomorrow too much. But, yeah, they have a lot of different characters that kind of jumped. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's always fun. Right. There's this whole world to pull from. Right. Um, but that's that's who we're going to cover for today. <laughs> we do have a little bit more for you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we just wanted to wrap up on some, I guess, observations. Yes. Some themes. Starting with, I I was in my head comparing Birds of Prey to other superhero groups. Right. Like the Avengers, our Justice League, our Teen Titans. And I do feel that the scale of what Birds of Prey dealt with is less compared to teams made up of mostly men like the Avengers or Justice League. Not that it's any less important. They're fighting, like, human trafficking, drug trafficking, all kinds of things. Oh, you mean, like, world-impending disasters level of things? Yeah, it feels at least... Because I have read some of all of these, but I'm not... I haven't read all, all of them. But I did get this sort of vibe that they're, like, let the big boys handle this whole world-ending thing, and you can take care of these smaller... To me, this sounds like where the DC has Justice League and then the Birds of Prey, Marvel has the Avengers, and then the Defenders. Yeah, yeah you're <laughs> this right. This kind of like, oh, this is a big screen. Right. This is the small screen, although obviously it is a big screen now. Thank you very much, Margot Robbie, yeah. and then some. But yeah, that's what it looks like, that little yeah. scaled down version of, here's another set of superheroes that you may like, but they're not as cool. Right. We're going we're gonna to pretend like or not write them as cool. Right, and I something else that does get ignored or glossed over a lot is, you know, the founder of the Avengers was um, the Wasp. Like, women are at the heart of a lot of right. these big groups, but you never hear, hear that. that. Story. Um, and and like Wonder Woman, for example, is also a secretary. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always this kind of weird layer mm-hmm. that I do think it is changing. But very, very slowly. <laughs> yes. And another thing that's changing very slowly that I want to comment on here, costuming. Because I really would recommend looking at past covers if you're interested because it's impossible 
impossible no, yeah. not to see the male gaze and the overt sexualization of these characters who, I remind you, are crime fighters, right? superheroes. Their outfit choices for combat, they leave a lot to be desired. One is like just a bra and suspenders and underwear, and that's it. That's it. Well, you know. I mean, I do enjoy being pantsless. But That's I would true. feel I would feel really self conscious trying to jump buildings, <laughs> and only my sh- you know skippy. We, we need to think about what our superhero costumes would well, be. I think mine would be my really raggedy robe right now, and mm-hmm. just sitting on the couch. Oh, the as couch my, comes with yeah, your yeah. Like <laughs> someone is carrying me on a couch as I'm like, stop that. This is that's, an interesting that's superhero. The end of the tactic. Stop it. <laughs> so you need to find. Am I? Am I the your partner? I carry the yeah. couch. Okay. I don't know if you're carrying the couch as much as you join me every now and again. Be like, hey, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah, I'm with her. <laughs> she said, I'm not stop sure it. how effective we'd be, <laughs> but we'd probably be more comfortable than a lot yes. of the women in these outfits. That is something that is also changing, and um, it's interesting to read from female writers, the importance of that to them, that their uh, outfit choice be practical. Right. And that doesn't mean it can't be sexy. Exactly. But practical. But that shouldn't be the forefront, the focus right. on the outfit. Mm-hmm. So also while we're thinking about it, anti-heroine slash bad girl trope, that's something that we see a lot of in the characters we've been discussing and certainly want to come back to it. We're actually going to do an episode on the history of the bad girl trope. And the good bad girl trope, which has been a conversation back and forth about who has power. The good yeah. girl, bad girl idea. I never heard of the good bad girl trope until oh, yeah. I I looked into this and, and the examples they gave like were Faith from Buffy, who mm-hmm. is still good. But but bad. <laughs> Meaning she likes to have sex usually. <laughs> How dare you? Yes. Yeah. So definitely planning on coming back to that. But I do think this this DC universe has a lot of examples of anti-heroines or, or bad girls. Right. So excited to come back and talk about that. They are definitely, particularly when we're talking about the Joker and Harley Quinn and um, Barbara Gordon, There, there's whole issues of representation when it comes to ableism and the depiction of mental illness. Right, which I think has always been a thing with crime-fighting movies, fantasy mm-hmm. crime-fighting movies. They kind of take that and make it into um, almost the antagonist in itself yeah. as a theme. Yeah, it's generally coded as this person is a villain if they have any kind of mental illness. Joker. Yes, yes, the Joker is a great example. A great example. And comic books do have a very long history of not-so-great representation of women and over-sexualization of female characters. Actually, at least one of the writers who's writing for it now or has been up until recently got the job because she wrote DC and complained about their portrayal of women. And that is changing. Recent research shows that more and more women are getting their own storylines and titles. And a lot of this is linked to the increase in female creators of female writers and artists in the industry. So that is a good thing. But we still have a long way to go. As we can see on Twitter. As we can. Well, Twitter, Twitter makes you feel like the world's on a, a fire. <laughs> There's a long way to go for everything, I suppose. But that could be true. That could be true. It's an interesting place to end our Birds of Prey episode. It's kind of funny because it does keep it in the forefront because it's a continuous debate. I know. I know. We can make things happen. 
We, we can. And so can you, listeners. And we would love to hear from you if there's any Birds of Prey character we didn't mention, our uh, favorite favorite issue of the comics. I'm always looking for recommendations. You can email us. Our email is stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I'm Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. Thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 